grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Many like to talk about doing things together as families so that they can, as this phrase goes, make memories. They want their, Making memories is important. I, I see that phrase quite a bit on social media and RV groups. Since we own a camper, camper I, I like to look at them every now and then. And when people get a new one, they say we're going to make memories together. Living in the present, doing things together as a family can build many memories for families to cherish for many, many years. That's why we take pictures of the things that we're doing, take pictures of our children as they grow up, why many like to make photo books and scrapbooks uh, so that they can uh, preserve the various memories that they have made throughout their past. God has given us that wonderful blessing of Give, of allowing us to remember things, to call up things from our own memory, to see in our minds the events that have happened in our past. Our ability to remember is not limited, of course, to family events. But God especially wants us to remember him and to remember his word, remember the Sabbath day, by keeping it holy, is one of our commandments. And that is why Jesus begins by saying in our gospel, if you abide in my word, if you abide. We like to fill our minds with all sorts of interesting facts. Some are so good at it that they become contestants in jeopardy. Some learn facts so that they can learn their trade well and do, do well with their work. Others like to just know trivia and knowledge. Some like to fulfill the things that they, they love by, say, learning all the latest statistics in sports or knowing the small nuances between makes and models of vehicles. We remember those things that interest us. Now, of great importance to us all, and what ought to interest us all, is the Word of God. If we don't open our Bibles, we often don't have any interest in it. We then think Sunday morning is just kind of a boring thing that we feel obligated to do. But when we listen intently, when we search the scriptures, we discover that there is nothing that really is more interesting than hearing how we can come into the presence of the almighty and perfect God. That we, sinners, can truly be saved of our sin and that we, who do not deserve it, can be granted by a free gift, out of God's grace, the gift of eternal life. For you see, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there is nothing more important, nor is there anything more relevant in our lives than Jesus justifying, that is, forgiving, declaring us sinners not guilty through his substitutionary sacrifice on the cross. 
and that this is received by grace through faith. And so Jesus says that when we abide in his word, we will know the truth. We become his disciples. And this truth sets us free from our bondage that had been to sin and death and Satan. We are not certain on how the events were passed on from generation to generation from before Moses, that is, the events that took place in Genesis. A single book of Genesis covers a span of thousands of years. There are some keys in there that suggest that maybe when it talks about the genealogy of, of Adam and that of Noah, that maybe Adam wrote some of the beginning events in Genesis. And Noah wrote some more, and Abraham wrote more. That Jacob would have written more. Now, we're not certain if that's how Moses compiled the book of Genesis by taking what was written by his fathers, or if God revealed this to Moses to write it in the way that he wrote it. We do not know if he took it from an oral tradition. It does not matter in the end. Jesus acknowledges Genesis to be true, and therefore we also do as they had done. We recount from generation to generation the wonderful works of God. Even if those events were written by the various patriarchs in Genesis, no doubt God's people would have been repeating, hearing and repeating, generation to generation to generation, recounting the wonderful works of God, the events that God had accomplished in their past, knowing that this is salvation history being unfolded before their eyes. And that is an important aspect of who we are, not only as humans, but as God's children, to recount the awesome events of God accomplished throughout the scriptures, that these historic events are revealing to us salvation history. Even more significant, they reveal to us in our Lord and Savior, to us our Lord and Savior Jesus, who was sent by his Father to pay for the sins of the entire world. As we heard in our epistle, even the law and the prophets, the Old Testament bore witness to the righteousness of God that is credited to us Christians through faith in Jesus. The very righteousness of Christ is applied to us so that our sins are taken away and we are declared righteous in him all because Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law in our place. He did not break the law in any part, but he kept it perfectly and now credits us with keeping the law. And he paid for all the times we have transgressed the law through the shedding of his blood when he suffered for us on the cross, dying in our place. And so we use those God-given memories that, that we have to recount these realities, to tell and to retell the biblical events. It is not only given for us to speak of God's testimonies of, of the scriptures, 
but it is also fitting us for us to recount the wonderful work of God throughout church history. In the events that have occurred since the book of Acts was written, we have done that. Two years ago, we so celebrated our own centennial. We published an updated history book. Its pages not only give a brief history of our own congregation, but many of the pages declare our Christian belief, our faith in Christ, the works of God, because we have included in our history book the various pictures of our stained glass, which reveal to us salvation history. The chief Christian articles of faith are imprinted in glass and expounded in that book. And so our history book, like the Bible, is filled with the gospel. Of course, on this day, as we observe the Reformation, we love to speak of the man whom God had raised up 505 years ago to nail the 95 theses to the castle church door in Wittenberg, that he was raised up by God to recover the saving gospel, which had been hidden in darkness and false belief. We rejoice that Martin Luther, boldly and against the law of the land at that time, translated the Bible into his own native language. We rejoice that the focus of salvation by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ was recovered. We give thanks to God that bad practices and false beliefs were stopped and the pure gospel was once again proclaimed. At the same time, though, <clears throat> we must not kid ourselves into thinking that what happened in the past makes everything perfect in the present. Many churches were founded by Christians who held the pure doctrine. But as time went by, their members no longer cared about the truth of God's word or like sheep were led astray by church leadership or by the winds of public opinion. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of Lutheran churches across America that once shared the same beliefs and practices that we currently have. But in time, their focus shifted away from Christ and the pure doctrine found in the Bible. And today, while they may still or maybe not bear the name Lutheran, they no longer look or sound Lutheran. When we do not know history, we often do not see how the decisions made today can shape tomorrow. But when we know history, we can then see how the decisions that were made in the past have now brought about changes to the future generations all the way to our day. <clears throat> For example, <clears throat> in the 1930s, there was a growing trend among exegetes in our church body. Exegetes are those people who interpret the scriptures. The growing trend was to become a little more creative in their interpretation of the scriptures. And what this did is it began to lead to a decline in regard for the biblical narrative. It led to the idea that maybe the scriptures could contain some falsehoods or errors 
which ultimately led to the walkout and Seminex in the 1970s. That was a dark time in our church body's past. For in the St. Louis Seminary, most professors and a large portion of the student body there denied the miracles recorded in the Bible. While many wanted to accept the Bible as a form of God's word, they didn't accept all of it as God's word. They employed what is known as higher criticism, in which they placed themselves above the scriptures, criticizing it and determining for themselves what they thought was truly biblical and what was not. And while they may have had good intentions of trying to match society or other Protestant churches or whatever the case may be, the reality is they no longer abided in God's word, and so they no longer knew the truth that Jesus was speaking of in our gospel. It took just two generations for that to fall apart. Thankfully, our synod's history doesn't end there. But what if nobody stood up? What if everyone just said, well, I guess that's what's coming out of the seminaries. It must be true. What if everyone just said, well, I'll just quietly believe what I've been taught. I won't get involved. Our synod would have been destroyed by her lack of knowledge. But instead, many fought. Laity and clergy fought together to resist the false teachings that were happening in our own church body. They promoted the truth. And we are beneficiaries of this. Some of you may have participated in those fights. Some of you may simply remember them or have heard about them in the headlines. These times were dark, but the light of the gospel, thank the Lord, prevailed. In our day, we must keep on contending for the truth. We do this not only for ourselves, but also for our children and for the future generations. That way they too can sing God's word is our great heritage. Temptation, though, is to live in the past. We certainly have a great heritage, and we must recount the great works of God throughout history, as I've explained. But our past heritage is not what saves us today. For Jesus uses a present when he says, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And Jesus begins with that if. It shows that many won't abide in the word of Christ. So if you meet someone who says, Yeah, I grew up in the church, but I don't go anywhere today. I still consider myself a Christian, though. It is most likely that this person is wrong, that he no longer possesses saving faith. Most likely, that person has little or no trust in Christ. Having a past of growing up in the church is not the same as abiding in the word or sustaining saving faith throughout one's adult life. Getting baptized and confirmed in our youth 
does not mean that we can put our Christian walk and conversation in the rearview mirror for the rest of our lives. That type of life is certainly not abiding in God's word. And the end result is that the faith given to us, worked in us by God the Holy Spirit, could eventually shrivel up and die. The same way having a congregation in the, that belongs to the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, does not mean that the congregation will always remain a faithful congregation. We can't say we did our due diligence, that we joined the synod when we were organized 102 years ago. For if you visit other LCMS churches across the country, you will quickly learn that we are not all the same. Some continue to adhere to pure doctrine, and we thank the Lord for this, and they keep their focus on Christ crucified and risen for the forgiveness of sin. But others have mixed truth with lies. Bad practices abound in our synod. Many do what is right in their own eyes. Our synod does not do enough to combat error. In fact, many things get covered up by talking about how calm things are in our synod. It's easy to go along with the flow and watch things gradually decline. If we are not diligent, though, to contend for the truth, our synod could suffer a worse and darker period than it did in the 1970s. As much as we love making memories and as good as it is to recount the past, we must be on guard so that our own personal Christian identities and our congregational identities are not based just on the past. For we live in the here and now. In the divine service, our Lord graciously meets us today with his gift. God, the Holy Spirit, is present right here and right now through the means of grace, and by that he works faith in us. The word always needs to be preached into our ears. Since we keep on sinning, we continually need to hear the absolution. We frequently need to present ourselves before the altar of our Lord to receive the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of all of our sin. We must not for, and we must not forget how important it is to keep on contending for the faith, telling the next generation. Psalm 78, Asaph writes, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, that children yet unborn will arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God 
but keep his commands. We, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, are blessed to have memories. Let's live, though, in the present, receiving in the here and now as much as we can the pure milk of the word, and at the same time, recalling our past, recalling the gracious deeds of God as recorded in the scriptures, and contending for the truth of Christ that future generations here may know him, his love, and the justification, the forgiveness of sin that he brings to us sinners. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.